Welcome to the Inside in Indian Country podcast, your premier source of accounting and business discussions affecting Indian Country. Presented by REDW. All right. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good morning. Uh, whenever you decide to join us today, and uh, pretty excited today to have uh, Brian Gray back on the podcast. Uh, really talk about some important, relevant information coming out for our gaming group. Brian is going to go ahead and talk a little bit here about, you know, what's really hit in in Vegas more recently in Nevada, but what typically happens in Nevada and in, uh, on the on the strip, you know, generally filters out to outside of Nevada. So if you're a travel enterprise gaming operator or CFO, CEO, such, and you listen today, you know, be prepared for, you know, some of these changes with respect to cybersecurity. So let's turn over to Brian here and we're going to talk about a few things. Hey, Brian, welcome to the uh, podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Wes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome back. You know, I know that we spoke earlier this year and you definitely brought up some great ideas and great thoughts and, you know, in your world, things change quick. So we want they to make do. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we wanted to make sure we get this to uh, to the forefront. So you put out three articles so far. Wow. Uh, I, know, I know a couple beginning in March, uh, June, and July, really uh, digging into this new rule um, with Nevada Gaming. And so for those that maybe haven't had the chance to go to our website, rdw.com, and take a look at um, the articles, I would, I would encourage you to do so. But, you know, Brian, if you could maybe just you know, talk a little bit about what is this new gaming uh, rule that, that that came out with respect to cybersecurity? Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. Um, well, so I think we were one of the very first ones actually to go out there and write something about it because on January 1st, Nevada passed a new uh, regulation gaming law. Uh, it was one of the first in the country to go into this kind of level of detail with regards to cybersecurity. So um, usually the bad guys are always ahead of the good guys. In this case, um, Nevada is really out on the forefront of trying to, you know, halt some of this bad stuff that's going on out there by, you know, hackers and uh, ransomware companies and such. So I applaud their efforts. Um, but it's uh, it's called the Nevada Gaming Cybersecurity Rule NRS 463.0129. And it has some major, major stipulations in there for anybody that runs a gaming uh, operation. And we can't just say like a casino because uh, there's parts in this that specifically talk about that this is um, you know applicable to anybody that deals, operates, carries on, conducts, maintains, or exposes for play any game divide, uh, you know, defined in the NRS 463 documentation. So you could be a race book, you could be a a sports pool company. You could be somebody that has a gaming license for interactive gaming. Doesn't matter. Uh, you're going to be required to um, to you know make sure that you're in, in uh, compliance with this regulation. And there's some pretty stiff penalties that can follow if you don't. Um, so, just a little bit about it because, like I said, it is pretty expensive. Um, there are four major parts to it. There are six sections, but the four major parts are one is uh, you've got to have a security risk assessment done once a year by an external party. No way around it. I think that's great uh, because every time we've done a, a risk assessment for a company, we have found something of a major critical you know, error within their company. 
Uh, and companies love that because they can patch those and you know figure out what the problem was and resolve it. Um, the second one is you're going to have a list of action items that come out of any security risk assessment. They want you to prove, now that's a big word there, prove <laughs> that you have done something, that you have got a plan in place to take care of those. That's provable action items, what they call it. Third one is they want to make sure that you have developed cybersecurity best practices. You've got to prove that also. Fourth one is breach notification requirements. I wrote an entire article about just that part because it was so huge. So those are the four major parts. Then they kind of go into a couple of other sections that talk about, you know, um, notification of you get attacked, um, how to perform the uh, the investigation, um, you know, who has to be assigned to be responsible for doing all this work and such. But those are the four major parts. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, and, and just kind of going through the the article from um, June 2nd, you know, there's a specific group, right, that, that I think that the uh, regulation specifies who has to go through this process. And I think um, if you go to our website, um, there's a link there called Group One Licenses, and then it'll kind of take you to a specific tier of, you know, um, organizations, you know, uh, separated by revenue on, on who would go through and have to perform this stuff, as you said. Um, as far as, you know, I know that um, you guys had an opportunity to reach out to somebody from the Nevada, Nevada Gaming Board. Um, you know, is there any specific type of maybe um, disciplinary action that you can think of that might happen if if they're not in compliance? I know that I think uh, just to confirm, I think the deadline for this is December 31st, 2023, correct? Yeah, deadline okay. is December 31st of this year. And that means you've got to have all this done by then. They could audit you on January 1st, 2024. And uh, you don't have time to be able to prove to them that you've got all this stuff in place because um, the list that we've got in here it's going to take anybody, anybody, literally a couple of months just to take care of some of these things that they've got. So, yeah, I mean, uh, timing is is crucial. And regards to the, we reached out to the Nevada Gaming Commission and actually asked them, you know, hey, can you specify some of the, you know, fines or failure to comply? And basically, they left it really up in the air that they could do <laughs> anything they wanted to. Uh, they said it's possible to strip your license, uh, fines, you know, just about anything. So they didn't take anything off the board. I think what they're going to do is they will probably come after the first one pretty hard and heavy. Uh, they want to make a example for the rest of them. Uh, so I would hate to be the first worst, you know, first person or company that uh, that gets um, uh, reviewed and doesn't meet their their criteria because I think that they will make an example. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, <clears throat> and going to the last article regarding all this, you know, published on uh, July 10th, 2023, you know, we, we talk about um, a treatment plan. So, you know, obviously, I, I know, Brian, you're already on top of this, thinking about things. So let's just say, hypothetically, somebody were to come to you to say, hey, Brian, I need to make sure that I am in compliance, that I have the right steps, or I'm thinking in the, of the right things to get ready for this December 31st deadline, you know, so if you could maybe just, just line up a couple of things on what they should be thinking about, you know, obviously, as you're listening today, 
be sure to reach out to Brian and his team. You know, I'm sure they can <laughs> provide you a good path you know, down the yellow brick road to make sure you get to um, where you need to go. But, you know, Brian, if you can, you know, elaborate a little bit on that, would be great. Yeah, um, that's a great question, Wes. Um, so we have a great deal of expertise in gaming. Uh, REDW has its own gaming uh, group. And um, so we have a lot of expertise just on the gaming side. And I've probably had at least uh, 25, 30 customers, uh, clients over the years that uh, reside just in Las Vegas. Uh, we're working right now actually with one client, a major casino resort. And so I can talk to this, you know, this part that you're asking about with regards to the treatment plan from firsthand knowledge. So first thing is they've, they have to have had a third party external risk assessment done every year. So if they haven't had one, which this one hasn't, um, it has been about 18 months. So they actually said, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get a, a risk assessment done first before we can even do anything from there. Second thing is then is um, along with making sure that they're following cybersecurity best practices, which is part of the risk assessment. Um, we also have to make sure then that they've got a, a treatment plan, as you called it, and we call it the same thing. Um, but in the documentation, it talks about the, the cybersecurity treatment plan incorporating a list of items that you have found deficient and a plan that can be proved as far as what it is that they plan to do and tracked along. So this is really one of the, the first ones outside of FedRAMP, which is extremely uh, critical and heavily, you know, cybersecurity uh, certification that, you know, some of the major, major companies get out there when they want to meet federal laws. Um, this is one of those that I think is just right along with that, which is very few regulations, HIPAA doesn't do this, um, you know, very few say that you need to be able to prove that you have a plan and that you're following that plan in order to remediate uh, some of the issues you found. Um, that's a lot. So I think this is, like I said, probably one of the more in-depth and you know heavily focused on remediation uh, regulations and rules that I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, good point. I think in my experience, you know, obviously, when you're talking about, you know, policies and procedures and such, you know, I mean, for me, you know, my, my cybersecurity experience is very minimal. So I'll ask a question. They have a policy procedure. It's a book, maybe a thousand pages wide, long, you know, big, you know, <laughs> uh, passes the weight test. It's 10 pounds, you know, whatever that may be. <laughs> um, but we never really go through and say, okay, do you, do you test it? You know, do you actually run through it? Okay. If, if there were a breach, do you actually go through the process of saying, okay, how do you reinstall? Usually, you know, 90% of the time they, they don't. Uh, so uh, I'm assuming that this one here requires that you actually go through that testing. Somebody's tested it and able to, to prove that those policies and best practices are executable and that you've tested those, right? Yeah, really good point. Again, um, there's two parts to that. One is the part about the breach. Um, there's a lot of regulations and laws out there that require that you go through a desktop breach exercise every year. Uh, but from my knowledge and experience and going out and doing a lot of risk assessments and working with a lot of the biggest companies that are out there, only the largest ones are doing that. So if you get a breach and you haven't gone through a breach exercise, what we refer to as a desktop exercise, and you know what you're going to do, then you're going to be quite unprepared and ready when it does happen. And unfortunately, those companies that are prepared, um, 
Yeah, a lot of them go out of business within 30 days after it. Um, and then you you brought up another really good point, which is backup and recovery. Everybody's doing backup recovery. But what the industry has shown is that uh, I think the number was like 82 or 83% of companies that, and this is a, an industry-wide magazine that tracks storage uh, and regulations that have to do with data and storage. And they said 82, 83% of the time, uh, customers fail on their first attempt to restore mm. a backup. So everybody's doing backups, but very few are are making sure that they can actually restore from the backup. So, you know, it, it just makes no sense out there. If you're not going to make sure that the backups are going to work, then, you know, why are you even bothered to do the backups? So that's a key thing. And that's in here also. Um, if you, you know, if you're not able to prove, again, prove some of these items, um, they're going to come back to bite you in the, you know, in the, uh, in the end. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a good point. Um, so with respect to that, that rule, um, I know we mentioned earlier about four, four additional requirements, you know, yeah. um, I think one of them that's just kind of started off a little bit here is just, um, must de- the, the gaming operation must des- designate a qualified cybersecurity team member. Um, yeah. maybe you yep. can just dive a little bit into those additional requirements and, you know, have some good information for our listeners. Yeah, this is one of the, uh, again, one of the few times I've seen something like this, they're actually saying you have to designate a qualified, and this is part of the wording in there, a qualified cybersecurity team member to be responsible for developing, implementing, overseeing, and enforcing those best practices and procedures. And this team member cannot also be the organization's internal auditor. So if you think you're going to have your internal auditor be that, you know, cybersecurity team member that's going to be responsible for putting this stuff in, uh uh-uh. no, they're specifically saying that. And the reason they do that is because they want a separation between audit and operations and maintenance. So the people that are auditing it and going out there and seeing how things work and if they're working are different from the people that are implementing it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty... Um, rigid with regards to the fact that they want not just a person, you know, responsible, hey, you know, make some guy in finance, you know, responsible for implementing your cybersecurity. Nah, they're saying a qualified cybersecurity team member has to be designated, which means that in the documentation, it has to say, you know, Bob Jones is going to be the guy who's designated for doing this. And it's going to, Bob's going to have to come up with a lot of documentation that proves that he is not only developing and implementing and overseeing and monitoring all this stuff, but the the plans in place that he's got to cover all of these deficiencies that we're going to find out about. So yeah, it's, it's uh, quite shocking. I mean, when you first review, when I first read it on like, I don't know, it was like second week of second week, third week of January. Um, when I read it, I was just like shocked because mm-hmm. I'd never seen any state uh, really put something into place that was this, different from the norm. So, and I think we're going to see this um, being used as a template for other states. Uh, right. So if you're, if you're not in Nevada and you think, oh, well, I'm not in Nevada, I don't need to worry about this. Think again, folks, I think this is going to, uh, I think this is going to be used and this is going to come around to every one of the states because we're just seeing such a massive amount of ransomware hitting us. And especially on the casino side, um, I read an FBI article that said that, um, uh, for the last 18 months, almost 
casinos, specifically travel casinos are one of the big ones, but they're saying casinos are one of the prime targets for Russia, North Korea, and China. And they're getting billions of dollars from us. So yeah, we're there. I think they're trying to stem the leak. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, casinos hold all kinds of, you know, customer data, you know, so it's yeah. pretty easy to, yeah. Along with money, they've got, they've got yeah. all your, your, your client data. They've got your credit card information. Yeah. I, I would not want to be, want, want to lose that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, get, so let's talk about it real quick. You know, they, they mentioned specifically a time period for how long, you know, people need to maintain documentation. Um, yes. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Five years. Um, you know, typical with financial information, they're saying, you know, you got to keep it for seven years and financial information. Hey, that's really important stuff. I, again, I was shocked that they said five years. So mm-hmm. if you don't have something that goes back a one, two, three years, that's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, you know, if you're not, if you're not already doing some of this stuff, it might be too late already. So I would highly recommend anybody in Nevada that's running a gaming operation. You, you, you probably need to get your ducks in a row and figure out what you could prove because if they come after you, uh, they're not going to give you a whole lot of time to respond. And, and uh, yeah, I've known from, from past experience with Nevada gaming, uh, they can walk in the door. They don't have to send you a letter. They can walk in the door and demand the information. Right, right. And I think the last one is just, you know, is this required to document in writing that all those procedures taken must comply with the new rule? So you know, mm-hmm. obviously you need to have it documented, right? Yeah, yeah. They want to see written documentation or something that's, you know, posted on your internal website or something like that. But yeah, they they want to be able to have it written down. It's not good enough to say, hey, hey, we know what we're going to do. Um, right. you know, we, we have the plans in place to be able to do it. Uh, now you've got to have the documentation available to be able to turn over. And one of those documents that they actually mentioned in there is the breach notification requirements, uh, which are pretty extensive. Again, you know, you've got to have a plan on if you do get breached, who you're going to notify, how quickly you can notify them. They're, they're requiring no later than 72 hours. And, you know, there's a lot of requirements in there. So, right. Right. So. You know, for those listeners that are, you know, maybe listening today and thinking about, oh man, you know, I, I have some policy and procedure, you know, back in, you know, in the, in the closet there or something like that. (laughs) And I I need to go back and, you know, identify and and figure out what I need to address and what we, what would I consider, you know, something like, you know, best practices. If you could lay out like the the three suggestions. Yeah. 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 Best practices might be. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one of them is policies and procedures. Um, according to NIST, uh, National Institute of Standard Technology, uh, they've got a listing of what they refer to as the, you know, the basic um, security policies that should be in place. I think there's 28 of them. And uh, I mean, if you're dealing with healthcare information, there's additional more that you've got to worry about. But but let's just take that. You know, there's 28 policies in place. Uh, there's a bunch of procedures that go with each one of the policies. Just getting that together is a monumental task for a lot of companies. Uh, this is one of the things that if you don't have it, that's required. So, you know, those documents actually show who created them, when they were created, when they were last reviewed. They have to be reviewed and, and written on, you know, written uh, that they've been reviewed, dated uh, every year, once a year. Uh, and then it's got to also have in there who signed off on them. You know, who's the executive that says, I reviewed these every year. 
and I'm signing off that they're adequate. Um, you've seen some some lately some stories on the news that there's been some CEOs and CISOs, uh, CISOs, that have uh, been taken to court because they've been shown that they're you know uh, deficient uh, or malicious intent or the fact that um, maybe they didn't uh, do their due diligence in order to make sure that their company didn't get you know didn't get reached. So they're going after the executives now, and so I think that a lot of this is going to you know, again, uh, force people to actually get some of this basic level work done. Right, right. Well, that's uh, that's definitely some some good information, Brian. You know, obviously we want to, you know, get this out as soon as possible, um, you know, and definitely get this information out to the public, you know, and really, more importantly, you know, let them know that there's some help, you know, with um, with all of this, um, you know, as we're yeah, coming we're- to a close today. Yeah, we're any, working. Any, we're any working. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I'm just going to say we're working with one client right now, and you know they're getting ahead of the game here. So we're going through and, and helping them, you know, get all those policies and procedures in place, get that action item listing, you know, with dates and plans on what they're going to be doing, making sure that their breach notification policy and the procedures are up to date. Uh, you know, getting a lot of this paperwork done so that they will be in compliance. And you know that's what we do. Uh, we've got our own cybersecurity practice here within our EDW to help clients to do this. So, you know, yeah, we've got the uh, resources inside to be able to help people. And if you got questions about it, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. And always uh, be sure to look out for Brian. He's constantly speaking at, you know, um, various conferences and opportunities, you know, he's, he's on in webinars and, uh, you know, obviously not on all kinds of different platforms for providing information out to the public. So we definitely appreciate your time, Brian. I know you're a very busy guy and thank you for joining us today. And, send us out. Well, thank you for having me. We like to get the message out there. We like to be able to uh, help out everybody we can. And that's one of the reasons we spend so much of our time to uh, try to get this information out and help clients and help those in the public so they can be aware of this stuff. But thanks for your your willingness to uh, put this on a podcast, Wes, and uh, appreciate getting in here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for listening. We hope this time has benefited you. For more information or to connect, please visit redw.com.